chapter 3, verse 20. I want to read just, I want to just talk about the power of God. And, um, I don't know, sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes you just really crave to see uh, the power of God. You want to feel the power of God. You just want to have capacity to live the Christian life. Uh, sometimes we just see the passivity that's in the world. And we just are really frustrated um, that we know what we ought to do, but we can't do it. We don't seem to be able to do it. And um, very often you hear people talk about, I know better, I know how I should live better, and the way they actually live. And I was talking with a pastor's wife and a pastor. They came to visit our church um, not too long ago, and I've known him for several years, and he just kind of shared with me that him and his wife, you know, they, um, they launched a church and then it closed right before COVID. And they just, his wife said to my wife that, um, you know, the Lord has just brought us to the end of all of our strength, end of everything that we could do for God, all of our religious strength, all of our, all of our religious understanding. And we're just kind of right now just, we don't feel like anything has to happen. We don't feel like this pressure or this, um, this need that something's got to happen, that, you know, that we feel better as people if something could happen. And... Um, and now it's this quietness. And I was just thinking about Ephesians 3.20. Let's just read this together. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. And that's an amazing verse. But I want to talk about what does that power look like. And I was just meditating on this this morning. What does this power look like? Um, I think there have been days where we felt like, man... I don't sense the power of God in my life, and I wish I felt more powerful. I think there's this great sense of like when you're, when you can just feel the power, or you're like, you know what I'm saying? Like you just feel very powerful. You have a great testimony, or something happens, and you really feel like, wow, God was in that. I felt something really powerful. I felt the presence of God. Or maybe we can think back 20 years ago, or when we were on the mission field, or 20 minutes ago when we were talking to somebody on the street, um, we sensed the presence of God and. And I'd just like to kind of share with you kind of what my study was a little bit that, that when Paul here talks about in Ephesians 3.20, um, the power that works in us is not intellectual power and it's not emotional power. It's not intellectual and it's not emotional. Why? Because the intellect and the emotions are in the soul. And the Christian life that we live is not in our soul. Our, our soul is what that is that part of us is very aware of our surroundings, what we prefer how we feel, how I feel as a person, is my identity and, you know, am I feeling threatened or do I feel accepted? Because um, God doesn't call the soul. Actually, God calls the soul to die. There's a book in my wife's office. It's called How Not to Die. <laughs> it's a book about health. I thought, what could be like more like against the cross of Jesus Christ? <laughs> and I'm looking at this book and it's like really thick and it's like how not to die. Like, like Jesus came, and I'm not knocking what my wife does, but it's just like, you know, I said to my wife, I said like, you know, that that could be like, you know, misunderstood. <laughs> and and like Christ calls us to die. He call, He invites us to die. He, he invites us to come and, and die with him at the cross. And that means die to everything that's in our soul. 
And a lot of times, you know, we just have no idea what's going on. And we sense the powerful call from God. We sense that moment, you know, when we got called in that in convention or when we were in a meeting. Or I remember I was in Finland in 1987. And I was visiting with Pastor Stevens. And I had no really what idea what was going on. I was just like there and getting over jet lag. And just, and we had Pastor Stevens preach a message about faith. And I remember we were just marching around that little room in Helsinki. And I thought, what are we doing? Just march. Then I remember like God just spoke to me about something. And just gave me this capacity to believe him for something. It was like a gift. And I was sitting down. I was like, what just happened? And Pastor Stevens walked over to me. And he just laid his hands on me. Announced to everybody in the whole, you know, like this was after the meeting, of course. And he's like, got the call tonight for, for missions. You know, it's like, I'm like, wow, all right. And, and, but then there's like, there's that. There's this mountaintop experience. And then there's like crickets the rest of your life kind of it's just it's like, what happens you know like that I would see God as the power of God in the sanctuary as I you know saw it so the the Paul here is talking about this power is not intellectual power and it's not emotional power but it's spiritual and Paul is saying here that we'd be strengthened with spiritual power and I think that many many of us have really rarely felt the the power that we've prayed for and we think, where's the power? What does it look like? How do we get it? Why haven't we felt it? And we get confused about the nature of God's power. And we expect something different from what is promised in this passage. And I think we see in the, in the Bible just these demonstrations and these stories of incredible power like, like Moses parting the, the sea, the Red Sea, and then Joshua going across, Josh, uh, going across the Jordan. We just see people being healed of leprosy and and I think our attitude sometimes is like, you know, there's no reason that Christianity in this age ought to be anything different than what it was in the Old Testament. Why is it different? And if people had the power of God, then we maybe compare ourselves with other people. If we had the power of God, you know, then my, my zeal would be more, you know, I'd have more zeal and I'd more commitment to God. And, and I think that, you know, the same power should be available to us as it was in the Old Testament. And I think there are times we want to pray like Elijah, you know, that the rain would stop or the fire would come down from heaven. We want to pray and heal someone. You know, we want to pray. Have you ever done this? You've prayed over someone and you like, you just felt like, man, all of heaven came down and nothing happened. Then there are these moments you've prayed over somebody and you're just half awake. I remember this from the convention. We were in Budapest and I was, you know, I don't know. I was so tired and, and it was just, it was just really a ridiculous schedule and I was asked to come up as one of the pastors to pray over people and this Hungarian couple comes to me and they're speaking Hungarian and I have no idea what they're saying and and they're just like want the mother's weeping and I'm like okay Lord so I just prayed over them in English I said can I pray over in English and, and I said Lord whatever their request is and then and then that was one of those services where I felt like you know I didn't really feel the flowing healing power coming out of me and I remember the next year they came up and they had this little tiny baby it was a year old and they were pointing at the baby and they pointed at me and were like, you know, and they did this kind of this sign thing that like, wow, you know, a year ago we prayed. I guess that was what we were praying for, that they would get pregnant. And she got pregnant and they had kids and they haven't had stopped. They haven't stopped having kids since then. I think they've got 24 kids right now. Um, and so like, I think that there are these moments, no, not that many. I could start a business. <laughs> I couldn't. Um, and I think that we look around the world and we just see this gross godlessness sickening sin and just ever-present evil and we want power to prevail against it we want 
power. We don't, and we hear these preachers sometimes, you know, you ever sit down and listen to these old time preachers, you know, back from the 60s and the 70s, and you just listen to them, and it's like, you sent like, you know, Jack Hiles, he's up there, and like, and, you know, he's just pouring out his heart, and he's preaching, and it's like killing it, and I'm like, you know, and, and you just wonder when that would ever happen to you, and Paul here is praying that we'd be strengthened with power, and so I was just thinking this morning, what is that power, and what does it look like? What does it enable us to do? And how do we know if we have it? And I think when God does the extraordinary, we can think, well, that's when I have it. But, you know, does it mean that I don't feel anything, that there's no power at work? So there's six things that, and I think that maybe you could come up with more than this, but these are just six things I wrote down quickly this morning and just some verses. Um... Romans 15, verse 13. Let's read this together. These are six passages of Scripture that talk about what it looks like for us when we have the power of God in our life. And it's going to be a little bit different maybe than what it looks, what you and I may think. But Romans 15, verse 13. Now, the, may, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may abound in hope through the power of God. And... Um, one second here. So, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you abound in hope, I'm going to say this, Romans 15, verse 13. This is the first thing, that if you have hope today, and you're abounding in that, meaning that you're, it's step after, it's one step. Okay, I've got hope for this step. I got hope for this step. I've got hope for this step. That means you're walking in the power of God. If you and I have hope today, and if we are not hopeless, and there's a lot of hopeless people out there with a lot of resources in their life. We talk to them every day. If you have hope to come to church here, if you have hope to come worship, if you have hope to even open your Bible in the morning, then you have the power of God working in you. That's Romans 15, verse 13. That's what the hope looks like. That's the power of God in your life. If you hope in eternal life, that hope gives you peace from fearing death and condemnation. Ability to forego gratification in this world because you understand that you receive your reward in the next. Encouragement that you are not what you're going to be. Hope. Encouragement that you are not what you are going to be. Hope that in the end, justice and goodness will prevail. Assurance that God is sovereign, that he's guiding the world towards his conclusion, which will be, in the end, good for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. If you have hope, you have the power of God working your life. That's number one. Amen? Can I get an amen? <laughs> number two, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, the excellency of the power being of, from God and not from ourselves. If we are motivated, and listen to this, this is a great verse just for the missionary. If you are motivated to carry the message of Christ to other people, and we see the light of the gospel dawning in the hearts of men, then we have the power of God in our life. If you share the gospel with someone, and that just may be someone at time-wise gas station that doesn't even speak English and you're just saying God bless you God's got a plan for your life and you're just and they see in your eyes that there's something in your life that's that's Christ and it's bigger than 
than them, then then you have ho- then you have the power of God in your life. If we are, if we're afflicted but not crushed, if we're perplexed but not despairing, if we're persecuted but not forsaken, if we're struck down but not destroyed, then we have the power of God working in us. Amen. Number th- number um, number three, Second Corinthians twelve verse nine, and he said to me, "This is a Paul here struggling with just weakness, you know, just ever." I don't know. I, f- I feel like life should be like you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger and then just before you die you're just ready to conquer the world but it just seems to go the other direction. Right? I don't know what that is. Like, and it doesn't have to do with age. It just, seem- it just seems the longer that I'm in the race with, I'm in the race of faith, it feels like I'm just more and more like I just need to lean on God more and more. I need to trust God more and more. And I was, and you look back maybe 10 years ago and you're like, man, I just had the energy and whatever it was just to get out of that situation and push through. And, and now it's just like I've got to like breathe. I've got I to like trust God for my next breath because that's exactly what the cross wants to do. He weakens our strength in the way. Our strength. Our strength. And that's Psalm 103, I believe. It's 103. Somebody correct me. 102, 103. He weakens my strength in the way. Verse 22. And that means that if we're in the way of God, then our physical, our natural strength is going to get weakened. But our spiritual strength, our ability to trust God for more and more. You know, if you get bad news, one thing that if you're in the race and you're walking with him and you're, and you're just walking in this, bad news doesn't bother you as much as it used to. <laughs> And you wonder, am I getting, what, careless or just negligent? But, you know, I think that um, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it says, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If God has given you comfort and contentment, even though you have weaknesses and the power of God is in you, if you, have con- if you have contentment and comfort in your life today, then the power of God is in you, and it's abounding. That's Ephesians 3, verse 20. Number one was hope. Number two was the, the um, not quitting, the motivation. And number three, the comfort and contentment. Things may not change. The outward man is perishing every day. I wish we had a better message. <laughs> it doesn't, you can't really sell that message so well, can you? Like, your outward man's going to perish day after day after day, but the inward man's going to be renewed. That's not a message that really the people want to hear today, is it? Do you feel like your outward man is perishing? I feel like it sometimes. I know it is. Second Corinthians 12, verse 9. If God has given you comfort and contentment, even though we have weaknesses, then the power of God is with you. God is using our weaknesses to minister to others. And I'm not talking about sin. I'm just talking about weakness. Like weakness may be this: you have a lot of strength in your in your in your in your experience and skill that you could that we could just run people down with that. But if we if we hold back and if we if we if we if we you know, apply the clutch, disengage the engine from the transmission, if we do that, then that's the power of Christ. You may feel weak at that moment, but that's the power of Christ being revealed in that situation. Okay? God is going to use that to minister to people. God is using you beyond what you expected. You can praise him for your thorns in the flesh, and the power of God is in you. Okay, number four, and these are six things that 
six ways that we see the power of God in our life. Ephesians 4 verse 13, I can do all things because of Christ who strengthens me. Um, that, what that verse is not saying is that we can fly to the moon because of Christ's strength. Uh, this verse is in the context of being content whether we are in abundance or in want. That's really when the power of Christ is working in our life. When I have abundance or when I'm in want. And if I can learn that contentment, not just say, well, say la vie or that what it is what it is, but just really have the peace of God in your ruling in your heart in this moment, then we have the power of Christ strengthening us. If we're able to live in humble means with less than what we would like to have or less than you need and still be content in the Lord, then we have the power of God moving and functioning in our life. If we can accept the will of God in our life, and it doesn't match what we'd naturally choose, then we, would ha then we have the power of God in our life. That's the power of the cross. Charles Spurgeon wrote an amazing article on the, on the um, it's called The Word of the Cross. If you ever want to read something powerful, it's so good. And that's number four, Philippians 4.13. Um, being content and having this sense of submit, surrendering to the will of God in our life when it doesn't match our natural preferences. Remember, natural preferences reside in the soul. Okay, number five, the fifth thing, Colossians 1 verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, enduring everything with perseverance and patience joyfully. And if we have attained, if you have attained greater steadfastness, if you are able today to go another day in the faithfulness of God longer than you did before. If, you're, if you've learned patience, if you've learned how not to react in the flesh, although we're going to fail, but if you're discovering that your capacity is little by little growing, then the power of Christ is resting and is strengthening us with his glorious power. And then number six, Colossians 1 verse 29, Paul said this, he said, In this I labor, striving according to his power, which effectively works in me. He says stuff like that. Not, not I, but the grace of God that's laboring in me. I love that. Grace labored in Paul. And in this labor, I striving according to his power, which effectively works in me. So Paul's saying to the measure that I'm learning to not trust in Colossians 3 verse 3, put any confidence in my flesh, to the measure I'm doing that is the measure that although I don't feel it and I don't see it and I don't sense it and I can't define it and I can't measure it with metrics, the power of Christ is being revealed in my life. And to that measure, it's strengthening me. If we're motivated to give ourselves in ministry to others, then the power of God is in us. If, if God has used you for good in the lives of other people, walking with them, walking through them some very difficult counseling situations, if you sat down with someone when you've had tons of other things to do on your task list and you've sat down with somebody in patience and talked with them about what you may consider a very petty problem in their life, if you've had the patience to do that, then the Christ, the power of Christ is effectively working in you. And for them, if you've been on the other end of the stick, 
If you sat down and you've had these mountainous mountains in your life and you're sitting down with someone and you have all this Bible knowledge and you're sitting down with someone and you're saying stuff like, I know I, I should, I know better, I know all these verses and I can't seem to get victory and all this. And when you are on that end of the stick and you're receiving patience, love, you're receiving encouragement, you're receiving um, perspective from the finished work, then that is something incredible. And that is the power of Christ walking and living through you. That's the power of God. I love this. And I can't remember this verse. Um, it's a verse, and I think I can find it. But it's a verse, and I know that it's, it's a verse that... Um, that um, somebody tell me where it is. I know Amy Carmichael wrote a book. It was the title of the book, The Edges of His Ways. And it just talks about, and I was reading these verses this morning, Jeremiah, um, and I wish I could, I wish I had them written down here, but I don't. But just thinking about, you know, the things that we can see in our life, the answers to prayer, the big, big things that God does are just the edges, like the edges of just miraculous universe that God has created. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be so astounded at the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. Um, uh, Billy Graham said this, he said, when we get to heaven, we're going to be astounded at the goodness of God. And we're going to wonder why we didn't ask for more. I don't know if that's exactly how he said it, but that's the content. We're going to see how great God is, how good he is. And we're going to be like, wow, I didn't realize that God was that good. I knew he was good, but like that good? I wish I had asked more. I wish I had asked above and beyond anything I could ask or think in Ephesians 3 verse 20. I want to close with this is that, you know, the power of God in your life may be that... I remember this in Philadelphia, and that was such a lesson, that church in Philadelphia was, it was 10 elderly people, I mean elderly, they were in their 90s, and it was just a miracle that they could get to church. And I remember just, in some of my brother and Leah may remember that, you know, there were these very, and they, they, one had Crohn's disease, another person they would get, she would get all dressed, and then she'd be ready to go, and then she'd get hit with this wave of sickness, and then she'd call, you know, and she and she'd be like, "I'm so sick, and I just can't make it." And and I just remember like thinking this, this feebleness, and I really had a problem with feebleness. I had this this feebleness. I just couldn't, and it was really my flesh because I kind of grew up. My brother and I, um, we grew up kind of in a stoic culture where feebleness is not. You know, you go to school like, and you know, unless your legs are sawed off or something, you know, like you're on your way to school, you know, and and but like you know, God. The, 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 the compassion of Christ, and I'm going to finish with this, the compassion of Christ, um, it speaks to us. We look at compassion like that's something that I earn. But compassion is something that comes our way when we are just so dilapidated. We're so out of steam. We're just, we're a burning wreck on the side of the road. And the, and the compassion of Christ comes. Matthew chapter 9 says that he saw, the she he saw the people as a sheep without a shepherd. What did that look like? Riots, thievery, uh, just a lawlessness, religion out of control in the state of like a mafia state. It was unbelievable what was going on in Israel. And he looked, Jesus looked at that and he had compassion. And the compassion moved him. He was moved. While the power of God may not be flamboyant, it's subtly miraculous. And it's evidence that we have the power of God. And I think if we can just look, sit still, look, look by faith at our life, take a minute before we say a word or...
wait a minute before we react. Let the waves of emotion just go over us. And, you know, like David said, your willow, your waves are like billows over me. It's like, you know, when we go to the beach growing up and you just, you know, the waves would go over you and you feel all this motion and you're standing still and the wave just keeps going. And it's, it's like the emotions. It just kind of crashes over you and it just kind of, kind of fizzles out on the beach. And, and if we can just be quiet and still before the Lord then and wait on the Lord and just look at the Lord and commune with him and just allow him to lead us to the cross and die to our natural, natural, um, natural senses and natural perceptions. And I think at that point, we're going we're gonna to sense this quiet, quiet power of God. And it's like, you know, it's like the, you know, Elijah saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And I was thinking about how, how can you tell a cloud from that distance is the size of a man's hand and how do you measure that? And I think it's more like this, that, that there was, God was providing something that fit in Elijah's hands. And I think that when God provides us something, it's like a, it's like a staff that Moses had. It's like a jawbone like Samson had. It's, it's the thing that we have in hand and God gives that to us. And that's the power of God. And with a, with a staff, with a broken, wavy, old staff, this Moses leads the children of Israel, two million people, out of Egypt. God uses very, very simple things in our life. And so don't despise a day of small things because they're really great. They're great days. Amen.